Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said, The works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do. Come and have an encounter with the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God at work in the life of Pastor Adama Segbaji this Sunday, 10 a.m. at Solution Chapel International, Barnfield Road, Northgate Crawley, RH10-8DS, or call 01293-885-000 for more information, or on the web at solutionchapel.org. Solution Chapel International, home of signs, wonders, and miracles. The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. I said we're in the Jordan season. And I prophesy it over you in your own lives. You are operating in the Jordan season where nothing can hold you back. I said nothing can hold you back. I said nothing can hold you back. In the name of Jesus Christ, anything that has held you back in the past, from today they'll let you go. I said from today they'll let you go. Anything that has been impossible in your life, From today, operating in the Jordan season of the anointing, they will let you go. It cannot limit you any longer. There shall be no longer limitations in your life. I said there shall be no more limitations in your heart, in your life. In the name of Jesus. And amen. Let's give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, turn with me, please, in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 10. The book of Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Our foundational test for these teachings. How many of you are getting blessed on these? teachings on the anointing. I think so far, I must admit that this is one series that even though I am extremely excited about it, I have been able to be calm to be able to teach rather than preach. And for that reason, I have been able to give you much more than I would normally and usually do. So we thank God for what he is doing. In the name of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27. I read the Bible says that. And it shall come to pass in that day. That his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder. And his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. I'm continuing with my series that I have titled Anointed to Overtake. Anointed to Overtake. Whether you like it or not, life is a race. Life is a race. The Bible says we must run the race that is set before us. 
And so everyone is running a race. And most of the time, we are in the same race with different people. And sometimes this race can be with family members, friends, colleagues, and so on and so forth. So because we are all in a race, that means we are all running at a certain speed or at a certain pace. And remember, every race has a starting point and a finishing point. And the way you start is important, much more the way you finish is also important. The way you start is important and the way you finish is also important. And because we are in a race, sometimes people have gone ahead of us and because they have gone ahead of us and, and probably about to finish, sometimes they, they use it against us. You know, so for instance, maybe you went to school with some friends and then after 15 years, you know, you meet them and then you start talking and then, you know, they'll say, oh, I'm married, I have four children, I work in the oil industry, I'm the chief executive officer of BP, and um, my pay is, is 28 million pounds a year, and, and I live in this posh area, I have a, a, an 18 bedroom mansion, I have a private jet, I have drivers, and so on and so forth. So when they say all of these things, sometimes what happens is you begin to wonder, are we not in the same, were we not in the same class? And in most cases, Sometimes, some of these people who are telling you all this, you were actually teaching them in class. You were actually teaching them. <laughs> they were coming to you to ask you the answers to the questions. But now, in life, they have gone ahead of you and are achieving and doing so much more. And because of that, sometimes you wonder, what is it that you have done wrong? You haven't done anything wrong. It's just that maybe they found themselves there. But one thing I can assure and guarantee you is that even though this race is ongoing and it's a lifelong race, your winning edge is what I'm teaching on in this series, and that is the anointing. Because when the anointing comes upon you, 
The anointing has the ability to take you from the end to the front. Jesus said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And so this is why desiring the anointing is so significant. Because for you and I, we don't have any connection. If I say we don't have any connection, I'm talking about we don't know anybody out there who can help us go faster. But the only person we know is God Almighty. And his anointing can help us to overtake those who have gone ahead of us. In the name of Jesus. So quick question we want to ask is, what is the anointing? What is the anointing? The anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. The anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. So that means when the anointing comes upon you, it removes every burden and it destroys every yoke. And remember in the previous teachings, I have taught on what the burden does and what a yoke does. A burden or a yoke impedes your speed in life. When you're trying to go faster, it slows you down. Are you following me? And last week, I did say that there are three environments that the anointing functions better in. Three environments. Number one is the anointing functions better in an environment of worship. In an environment of worship. Elisha said, bring me a minstrel. 2 Kings chapter 3 from verse 14 to 18. He said, bring me a minstrel. And when the minstrel played, the anointing of God came upon him. And he prophesied and said, you will not see wind, neither will you see rain, but the ditches will be filled with water. So the anointing is activated by the worship. Number two. The anointing functions better in an environment of kindness. In an environment of kindness. Acts chapter 10 verse 38, the Bible says that how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and he went about doing good. That's kindness. So that means for the anointing to continue to work, you have to have kind heart. You must be kind. You must be kind. Number three, environments that the anointing functions better in is the environment of expectation. Environment of expectation. And we looked at Acts chapter three from verse two to six that man who was lame at the beautiful gate. He was asking Peter and John for arm. 
Peter and John said, Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give it thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And what was he doing? The Bible says that he was looking at them with expectation, expecting to receive something. And so the anointing functions better in an environment of expectation. That's why every time you come into the house of God, come with what? Expectation. How many of you have ever written something down on your expectation card for the year before? Anyone? Okay. Almost all of us. And how many of you have seen the fulfillment of some of the things or almost all the things you have written on your expectation card come to pass in the year? See? Almost, not almost, all of us. So that, 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 that should simply tell you that the anointing functions best in an environment of what? Expectation. So don't ever come to the house of God casually. You remember the woman with the issue of blood from Mark chapter 5, from verse 25? The Bible says that she said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. What did she do? She went with expectation. And when she touched Jesus and the issue of blood left, Jesus asked, who touched me? And Peter, Peter's answer, Jesus, you see a multitude thronging you and you are asking, who touched me? So that should tell you that Peter and the rest came to church without expectation. Can you see how powerful expectation is? There were multitude, but only this woman who had issue of blood for all this year, she touched Jesus and she was made whole. What happened because of her expectation? I've always said that when you have an expectation and you come into the house of God, I can be preaching salvation. If your expectation is for all your debts to be canceled, I'm preaching on salvation. Your debts will be canceled. Because of the power of expectation. So there must not be a single day that you come into the house of God without expectation. Let me say this. Every time you come to church without expectation, you are wasting your time. In most cases, most of the time I come to church, I teach casually like this. I get home and I become very tired. Days that I become very tired, I know someone came with a huge expectation. And they were drawing virtue. Because when the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus, Jesus felt virtue leave. So Jesus said, who touched me? That means when you come with expectation, you always draw something. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you come with an expectation of getting a contract worth five million pounds, right? When you come with that expectation, it does not matter what I'm preaching. 
you will draw that virtue. That's why expectation is so important. So the anointing functions better in an environment of what? Expectation. Jesus, the most anointed, went to his own hometown. He could heal no one because they have no expectation. So don't come to church without having expectation. And listen, don't manage your expectations. Don't be scared of expecting big from God. How many of you know that whatever you expect, I cannot give it to you. It's God who gives it. How many of you know that? So now when you come to church, don't have a small expectation. (laughs) Did you just get that? Don't have a what? A small expectation. Now I'm teaching this because God is taking this church somewhere. I still believe that without a shadow of doubt that before the end of this year, there'll be minimum 10 millionaires in this church. And listen to me, listen to me. This prophetic declaration has nothing to do with your nine to five job. Please, don't limit God. You can sleep tonight and wake up a billionaire tomorrow. Joseph slept as a prisoner. One day, the following day, he woke up as a prime minister. I've seen in many countries, vice presidents go to bed. The following day, they wake up as presidents. I have seen in many nations, ordinary people sleep the night before as an ordinary man. The next day, they wake up as president of the country. So don't manage your expectation. Believe God how big. Remember what Psalm 81 verse 10 says? Open your mouth how wide and I will feel it. Those who have been laughing at you, they'll come to you and ask you, how did you do it? So the anointing functions better in an environment of expectation. Now, when we talk about overtaking, I want you to understand something very important here. That as much as God wants you to overtake, there are key things involved in overtaking. And write this down. Humility is the secret key to operating in the highest level of the anointing. Because remember, in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9, it talks about humility. That the anointing cannot function in your life if you are proud. It says, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above your fellows. So the anointing will only come on you when you walk in Humility. 
God resisted the proud. He gives grace to the humble. It says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, for in due season, he will lift you up. So three things are key when you talk about humility. Number one, you cannot overtake someone who is ahead of you when you keep criticizing them. So humility is key. I'm sure you want to overtake, right? So you cannot overtake someone who is ahead of you if you keep criticizing them. So it's like somebody's running ahead of you and you want to overtake them. Instead of using your energy to run, you're using your energy. Look at your leg. Look at your head. Look at your... No, he's ahead of you. Why are you using, why are you using your energy to criticize them? Why don't you harness that energy to run instead? That's why I've always told you you will never attract what you criticize. You see, many of you want to be rich. You want to be millionaires, but in your heart of heart, you are always criticizing millionaires. When you see rich people, you say, look at these people. All they are doing is drugs. No, it's not everyone that's doing drugs. Amen? amen. I said Amen. amen. So don't criticize what you want to become. Have you heard the saying, those who live in glass houses do not do what? They don't throw stones. Why would you live in a glass house and be throwing stones at somebody else's glass house? The next glass house somebody will be throwing stones at is your house. So don't criticize those who are ahead of you. You cannot overtake someone who is ahead of you when you keep criticizing them. One day this church is going to be a mega church. Amen. A greater mega church. Amen. And that day is from today. Amen. Where God will be drafted in multitudes. Multitudes from every corner. From every city. From every nation. I've prophesied in this church before that a time is coming where people will be flying from other nations to come to church Amen. just to go back. And it's happened many times. Amen. It's going to start happening again. Amen. Where we have multitudes flying in across Europe and coming to solution. Because there is something God has deposited in this ministry that's about to explode. Amen. And it's the anointing. I said it's the anointing. Amen. The anointing is about to explode in this house. We are, we are operating in the anointing without measure. Amen. The anointing without measure. We are in the Jordan season of the anointing. Amen. We are in the Jordan season. Amen. I said we are in the Jordan season. Amen. And I prophesy it over you. In your own lives, you are operating in the Jordan season. When nothing can hold you back. Amen. I said nothing can hold you back. Amen. I said nothing can hold you back. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Anything that has held you back in the past. From today they will let you go. Amen. I said from today they will let you go. 
anything that has been impossible in your life from today operating in the Jordan season of the anointing, they will let you go. Amen. It cannot limit you any longer. Amen. There shall be no longer limitations in your life. Amen. I said there shall be no more limitations in your heart, in Amen. your life. In the name of Jesus. Number two, you cannot overtake anyone in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom, if your motive is wrong. If you want to overtake, you have to have a right motive. Your motive has to be right. Why do you want to overtake that person? Do you want to overtake them so that you can show them that you are also there? No, that's a wrong motive. The Bible says that you, you ask and receive not because you ask wrongly. You ask amiss. You ask so you can consume it on your own last. Oh God, give me, give me a big house so I can, show, I can show her. God, give me a big... <laughs> I've seen people who, you know, they go and buy a new car and the next thing they drive to somebody's house just to show them that I can also buy a new car. And within six months, they lose the car. <laughs> because your motive is wrong. Why do you want to be rich? So you can go and play golf with rich people? So you can fly business class or first class? Why? What's the motive? God will always check the motive. You see, most of the time, the reason why we are asking God for things and he's not answering, it's not because God doesn't have it. But the motive behind what we are asking is wrong. Why are you asking God to be a millionaire? What's the motive? If the motive is to propagate the gospel, ah, he'll give it to you now. But in most cases, he knows he can't trust you. There are many people in the church who have become extremely selfish, extremely selfish. Even when God is speaking to them, they ignore God. <laughs> they say, I bind you, devil. Satan, I bind. No, that's God speaking. God said, give your Isaac. Do you know what God said to them in Hagar? He said, consider your ways. He said, these people said, the time of building the house of God has not come. He said, you live in panel houses, but my house is lying in ruins. He said, consider your ways. Like I've always said, there is nothing that God has given me that when he asked me, I will not have it. <laughs> if I have 180 million pounds now and God says son give it tomorrow I'll give it because the Bible says what is it that we have that we have not received huh? think about it 
Think about it. So our motive has to be right. Why do you want this anointing? What for? So you can prove to Benny Hinn that you are more anointed than him. When you do this, a thousand people are falling. No, what is the motive? Do you know God does not reward our actions? He rewards our, our heart, motives. What is the motive? God, give me a wife. God, give me a wife. God, give me a wife. So I can show that guy that I can also marry. What is the motive? Sit down and check your motives. Why, why, why are you starting a church? Why are you starting a church? What's the motive? Is it money? Is it because you can tell the people to give five offerings in one service? What is the motive? You are living beyond your means. So the church people can pay for your beyond your means level of living. What is the motive? You remember in Matthew chapter 7, some people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we cast out devils in your name. Remember? And Jesus said, depart from me, I know you not. Yes, they did. They, they, Jesus didn't doubt that they did not cast out demons in his name. They did. But their motive was wrong. They were casting out demons out, out of people in the name of Jesus because their motives were wrong. They wanted to show people that me too, I'm there. Me too, I'm anointed. I've seen people drive, pastors of churches drive through our church and park at the car park just to count the number of people that are coming in and going out. <laughs> Motive! And sometimes they are waiting at the car park and giving our church members leaflets. Come to my church. We have just started a new church, powerful church. That's not how it works. No longer those churches don't last. They don't last. Because your motive is wrong. This thing is no competition. This is the kingdom of God. Motives. The pastor came there some time ago and said, Pastor, Pastor. Let me come and put fire on the altar. I said in my heart, I am putting water. <laughs> I said, let me come and put fire. I said, I am putting water. He who said, I want to come and put fire, he had no church. If you had a church, we'll see the fire in your church. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? Motives. Motives. I've seen, you know, I've seen so-called pastors come to this church and what's their motive? To pull members out of the church. Come on now. This is not, this is not mine. You are fighting God. If you pull one out, God will bring 10,000. 
I've said for every one member somebody pulls out of this church, God will add 5,000. <laughs> so for every one member that you pull out, 5,000 is being added. Yeah, it, it is happening practically. Practically. Why don't you humble yourself? Have the right motive. And unfortunately, the people who follow them don't know that these people are going away. Because if they have somewhere to go, <laughs> they won't be going from <laughs> church to church. Yeah, they won't be going from one place to the other. I'm an apostle, I am bishop, I am prophet, so, so, and so. You are nothing. Humble yourself. And God will help you. I said God will help you. Number three is you cannot overtake anyone in the kingdom for competitive purposes. For competitive purposes. You want to overtake? It should not be for competitive purposes. Let me show him or her. Face your own. Face your own. For those of you who have businesses in this church, always check your motives. Very, very important. Always check the purpose of your competition. Now, there are healthy competitions, don't get me wrong, but there's also a negative competition. Don't engage in negative competition. whatever department you are in, don't engage in what? Negative competition. If you're in any department, let's say a visible department, let's say you're in the choir and your choir leader sings in a certain way and the day your choir leader is not there, you want to show the whole church, whoa! This is what you are missing out. Don't do that. That is negative competition. And after the service, you go asking everyone, did you hear how I sang it today? I sang it well, well. Yet you were just walking in the flesh. You sang nothing. Or you are an assistant or associate pastor. When I'm not there and I give you an opportunity to come and preach, you say, <coughs> Praise the Lord. Today, pastor is not there. I'm there today. Hallelujah. Today, I'm going to show you a powerful revelation. One that you have never heard before. That's not how to say it. It says, I'm coming to preach what pastor has already preached. And every time you are preaching, you have to quote me. You don't stand here and start quoting somebody else, T.D. Jakes. Joyce Meyer. This is not T.D. Jakes or Joyce Meyer's church. I hope you know that. Yeah. You quote the one who has put you there. It's very important. Not to say that we don't appreciate the ministry of T.D. Jakes or Joyce Meyer, but you have to understand the protocol of the house. And then you start sweating by force. No, don't. 
you know. I don't sweat, so you don't have to sweat. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? This is not competition. It's not competition. You are not in competition with anyone. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? We need to understand these fundamental issues when it comes to working or operating in the anointing. That's why many people are not operating in the anointing. Listen, the anointing is one of your most important assets as a believer. Even Jesus could not do anything without the anointing. How much more you and I? Jesus could not function until he was anointed. So what he needed to use 30 years to do, it took him three years because of the anointing. As businesses, businessmen and businesswomen in this church, one of your most vital force you must always crave for is the anointing. Because listen, your competitors are chanting. They are chanting stuff. They are burning incenses. They have a small God somewhere calling your name on that little God. You also have the anointing. When you wake up, you start declaring the anointing. Are you following what I'm saying? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Release the anointing to go ahead of you. To scatter anything that is not of God. Any evil plan of the enemy. Scatter it. So by the time you get there, the contract is made available for you. Why? Because the anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. The anointing has gone ahead of you and removed every yoke. Removed, destroyed every burden. So by the time you get there, the contract is yours. They changed their mind yesterday of giving the contract to somebody else. But once you begin to operate in the anointing, you get there the following day. They say, hi, mister. Hi, missus. Hi. We were going to give this contract of 2.3 million to that organization, but we have decided to give it to you. Say amen. Amen. And I prophesy over every business in this church that your operation is moving to higher dimensions because of the anointing. Anything that has limited you in the past from today, in the name of Jesus, I prophesy growth. I prophesy increase. I prophesy supernatural speed. In the name of Jesus, I prophesy open doors for you. In the name of Jesus, I prophesy greater dimensions of contracts. You will never lack contract any longer. I said you will never lack any contract any longer. From today, I prophesy open doors of major contracts. Open doors of major contracts. Contracts that will take you 30 years to finish. 30 years to finish. In the name of Jesus, I decree and prophesy those doors open. Those doors are open now. 
Those doors are open now. I prophesy contracts in the millions. In the millions of pounds. In the millions of pounds. In the name of Jesus. Every limitation is broken now. In this church, every limitation is broken now. In your business, every limitation is broken now. In your own personal life, every limitation is broken now. What has not worked before will begin to work from today. They will begin to work from today. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. By this Sunday, you testify that there has been open doors. You testify that there has been open doors. You testify that the limitations are broken. The limitations are broken. In the name of Jesus, every spirit of stagnation is terminated now. Every negative growth is terminated now. From today, you'll experience positive growth. Positive growth. Positive growth. Positive growth. In the name of Jesus Christ. I prophesy it over your life. In Jesus' name. So let's quickly go and look at the case studies on competitive competition. And then we'll close. Second Samuel chapter 18 verse 19 to 33. Second Samuel chapter 18 from verse 19 to 33. The background of this scripture has to do with David, David gave his men a command not to kill his son Absalom. Absalom had rebelled against him. Absalom had actually taken over the kingdom. And so at this point, David was actually fleeing for his life. It's more like a coup d'etat. You remember Psalm 3, verse 3. For thou, O Lord, I a shield told me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. This was when Absalom, David was praying that prayer. Because at this point, Absalom wanted to disgrace him. So David gave his generals, Joab, and Abishai specific warning that go and capture him and bring him to me. But they did not listen to the instruction. When they were chasing him, what happened was Absalom, you know, had a beautiful long hair because he was handsome. When he was running away because he knew they were about to capture him, the Bible says that the horse that he was sitting on I think jumped and then what happened was his hair caught up a tree and then the horse left. So they found him hanging 
between the heavens and the earth. Did you get the picture? So his hair was, had um, caught on the tree on one of the branches, so he was hanging between the earth and the heavens. So when they got there and they saw him, they killed him. But specific instruction is that don't kill him, bring him to me. So now, this was the incident. Now that Absalom has been killed, they have to send the news to the king. They have to send the news to the king. And this is a very delicate news. Because this is the king's son that has been killed. It's a very important. And so the way the news has to be presented is very important. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, when bad news happens, maybe in your back family or something, someone calls you, the, the first question they'll ask you is, are you sitting or standing? <laughs> if, if you say you are standing, they'll tell you, find somewhere to sit. Once you hear that, you know this is a heavy news. It prepares your heart. They tell you, find somewhere to sit. <laughs> and once you sit down, they will start breaking the news. They won't tell you straight. They will break it, break it, break it, break it, break it, break it, break it. Not long ago, a former vice president died in a certain nation. And because the mother was old, they have to cut off the electricity to that house so she does not hear it on the news because if she hears it, she will also die. So they didn't tell her that her son had died. So news like that, you have to look for someone who has the wisdom to be able to take the news. So at this point, Absalom has been killed. So Joab now have to look for someone to take this news. And I want you to follow me carefully because this is so important. Once you get this, this teaching on anointed to overtake, we are getting somewhere. And then next week, by God's grace, we'll deal with some other areas that are also key. Are you following me? So from verse 19, 2 Samuel chapter 18, the Bible says that, then said, Ahimas, the son of Zodak, let me now run and bear the king tidings how that the Lord had avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said unto him, Thou shalt not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt bear tidings another day. But this day thou shalt bear no tidings because the king's son is dead. So, Ahimaaz was there. Ahimaaz said, okay, let me go and give the king this news. Joab said, no, you cannot take this news to the king because the king's son is dead. The Bible says, verse 21, it says, then Joab said to Cushai, go tell the king what thou hast seen. And Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran. So look at two characters there, Ahimaaz and Cushai. These two people are very important in our study tonight. 
Ahimas and Cusha. Ahimas have been told, no, you can't take this news to the king. Joab has found a, a, a suitable candidate who will be able to deliver this message and his name is Cushai. Verse 24, the Bible says that, and David sat between the two gates and the watchmen, no, have I jumped? Okay, sorry, which verse? 22. Then said Ahimaaz the son of Zodak yet again to Joab, but how, howsoever, let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushai. And Joab said, wherefore would thou run, my son, seeing that thou hast no tidings ready. That word tidings there, you have no message. You have nothing ready to go and deliver. Why do you want to run? And there are people in life like that who are, they just want to run. They have no, nothing to deliver. They want to start a church, no vision. They want to start a business, no business plan. They want to marry, they are not ready. Verse 23. It says, but howsoever said he, let me run. And he said unto him, run. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way, the plain, and overran Cushai. So he was putting pressure on Joab and said, I mean, let me run. I just want to run. I just want to run. And Joab said, okay, you want to run? Run. And look at what he did. Even though he was not carrying a message, the Bible says that he overran Cushai, the one who was carrying the message. So this is what I'm talking about, competitive. Com, competitive competition. Are you following me? Yes, it is good to have competition, but it has to be positive, not negative. Verse 24, the Bible says that, and David sat between the two gates and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate onto the wall and lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man running alone. A man running alone. A man, that's another message. A man running alone. That means don't run alone because a time is going to come where you need help. So don't run alone, verse 25. And the watchman cried and told the king, and the king said, if he be alone, there is tidings in his mouth. And he came apace and drew near. So the king knew that if somebody is coming alone that way, that means he's got news. He's got news. Verse 26. And the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called unto the porter and said, Behold, another man running alone. And the king said, He also beareth tidings. And the watchman said, Methinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zodak. And the king said, He is a good man and cometh with good tidings. So that means Ahimaaz is known for running. They saw him far. 
and they knew that this is him coming, and they know that he is a good man. In life, there are some good men who are running, but they have no message. They are good, they are running, but they have no message. Verse 28. And Ahimaaz called and said unto the king, All is well. Now notice, he overran Cushai, so he's now at the king's gate. He's before the king. And he's saying to the king, All is well. He's a fake prophet. All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God who has delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my Lord the king. Verse 29. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And look at his answer. And Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, that he was not sent. He's lying there. He's a good man, but he's lying. When Joab sent the king's servant and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. So the king said, what is the message? Ahima said, I saw a great commotion, but I don't know what I, don't know what I saw. I don't understand. <laughs> So he's running, but without a message. He said, I saw a great commotion. I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. Now, if you knew not what it was, why were you saying I want to run? The fact that you can run doesn't mean you should just run. Verse 30. And the king said unto Sorry, and the king said unto him, Turn aside, stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. So, those who run, it doesn't matter, you can get there first, but they'll tell you, Stand aside. This one saying, Competitive competition is dangerous. This is where sometimes you put your ladder on a wrong building. You just want to show everybody you are, you are up there. But you are up there and you are empty. Your life is empty. I was doing a very good job when God called me into ministry. A very good job. Guaranteed salary at the end of the month. Very good job. Getting paid very well. But God said, leave it and start ministry. I didn't know where my salary was going to come from. But even though I was doing a good job, I was not fulfilled. I'm fulfilled in doing what God has called me to do when I see one life changed. It gives me so much fulfillment. When I see marriages blessed, when I see joy in the faces of families in the church, when I see souls giving their lives to Christ, when I see people walking broke, going out mended, it gives me the ultimate satisfaction. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of my father and to finish it. 
Do you get what I'm saying? So, yes, you are running, but are you running with a message or you just want to show everybody you can run? You'll get to the end and all your years of wasting, they say, stand aside. That's why many said, Jesus, we did miracles in your name. Jesus said, yes, I know, but I know you're not. May it not be so in your life. Verse 32, verse 31, the Bible says, And behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my Lord, the king, for the Lord had avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom saved? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my Lord, the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee head, be as a young man is. Look at how he presented the message. But did you also notice that Cushai came second? He came last, but he had the right message. So look at what, how he presented the message. He didn't just say that your son is dead. You know, some people say, I just say it as it is. No, you need wisdom to deliver such messages. Verse 33, the Bible says that, and the king was so much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus said, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, will God have high I died for thee, oh, Absalom, my son, my son, amen. So, yes, you are desiring God to give you this anointing, but what is the purpose? It should not be for competitive sake. Always do what God has told you to do. I, I've, never, I've never prepared a message to try to preach better than someone before. Never. As a matter of fact, I've never made an effort to, I'm coming to preach and I want to preach better than this man of God or that man of God. And, you know, sometimes you go and take, people will go and take a message of a man of God, same message, and they say, I have a better revelation than him. No, it's a waste of time. That's what, what God has called you for. Do what God has called you for. Amen. I said amen. amen. And if you get this, if you get this, you, the anointing will work for you. Because what is the point running and being the first and being asked to stand aside where you have no, no, no news, you have nothing? What is the point? What is the point? So my prayer for you today is that the anointing will work for you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I prophesy over you. Some of you before the end of this week, the overtaking anointing will begin to operate in your life. Amen. Some of you before the end of this month, the overtaking anointing will operate in your life. Amen. Some of you before the end of this year, the overtaking anointing will operate in your life. Amen. You begin to see yourself going far. Amen. The man cannot catch up with you any longer. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Bishop David Oedipo said, there was a time when the church was six, six members. 
One day the wife came, there were eight members or five. The wife came, every time he comes home, he would tell the wife, oh wow, today there were a lot of people. The church is flourishing. And one day the wife came to see the church and there were five people and said, where are all the members? Said, this is our, he said, are, all these, are these five members? You say it's a lot of people. He said, yeah, you cannot see what I see. He said there was a time the church was 16. He was rejoicing. He said there was a time the church was 20 people. He was rejoicing. Today, the church is over 500,000. I'm talking about one location, not all the other branches across the world. What am I saying? Everybody have their time. When your time comes, nobody can overtake you. Just pray that the anointing will come upon you. The overtaking anointing. When it comes upon you, I tell you, nobody can overtake you. You become the news of the nation. I said you become the news of that nation. And I decree that members in this church will become the news of that nation. Members in this church, you become the news of this nation. Many will be talking about you positively. Wherever you go, you'll hear good news about you. In the mighty name of Jesus. This ministry will become the news of this nation. Every nation that God plants us in will become the news of that nation. In the mighty name of Jesus. The overtaking anointing is come upon us. Will flourish on every side. Multitudes will gather from every corner. They'll be coming with speed. They'll be coming with speed. They'll be coming with speed in the name of Jesus. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on, give Jesus some praise. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10, 8HQ. Your experience at Solution is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution, bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations.